0: Do we need to cut the bit where you uh, where you admitted that you didn't smoke and didn't drink much wine? Like, won't they revoke your passport for that? That's the thing I worried about for many years.
1: And then, <laughs> crazily enough, Americans taught me how to drink coffee and, and made me enjoy wine more. Because oh, yeah, okay. people are like, this is expensive. We should not waste it. Whereas in France, it's like, ah, whatever. Just pour.
2: I'll have whatever. They're all pretty good.
1: So it's easier.
2: Hi Olivier. Hi, Olivier. <laughs> Hi Derek. Hi Sean. We're joined by Olivier Lacan. Is that how you say Perfect. your last name? You got yeah, it.
0: Yeah, look at that. Bravo. This <laughs> absolute jerk who had the gall to give a talk at the same time as Tess. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, 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 bl- I personally blame you for this. But I told her I would
1: defend her against your, your puns, and I couldn't, obviously, because I was talking at the same time. So that's my excuse. I was just too busy
2: to defend her from your from your Twitter puns. <laughs> So you're a frequent... You come up on our podcast often because oh. we talk about changelogs. Okay, good. Often. I thought it was for other nefarious no, reasons. No, no. Okay. So you are the uh, creator, maintainer, creative genius behind <laughs> uh, keepachangelog.org? Com. Com. Keepachangelog.com. And yeah, we're, we're serious. It's not a... It's not a, uh, it's it's a not commercial a enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making so much money. <laughs> Two of those three things that you said were
1: right. The, uh, the genius part, not so much. because <laughs> I just stole... Well. It is kind of genius to steal good ideas, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but it actually, it comes out of open source frustrations and also good practices that I just like, noticed. And I was like, well, this is so obviously better than this other project. Or I was working on an internal thing at NV Labs Code School. And Nate Bibbler was working on a, a little open source tool for um, status check reporting for HAProxy. It's a mm-hmm. little gem that you drop in that just reports a, a status.json endpoint. So HAProxy can be like, oh, you're alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, it was internal. It wasn't even out yet. It wasn't like he waited until the release to be like, we're going to make a changelog and we're going to make a readme. Just for first few iterations, he started building his changelog mm-hmm. and putting links to diffs in the changelog and like having little like markdown headers. And it was beautiful. And dates, <laughs> everything was organized. And it was so obvious to see that it was building up, like the project was getting more mature mm-hmm. through the changelog. So I got addicted to it. So, so. Nate, Nate's to blame mostly and a lot of other good changelogs that I saw. Yeah.
2: But I think, like, with most things, there was a good idea. Yeah. And you ran with it. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: true. <laughs> so you get the credit.
2: Congratulations. <laughs> screamed with it.
0: <laughs> I, I like it. It's, it's just it, it's an easy format to follow. Um, and in particular, like, like every single pull request ever on rails that sits around for more than uh, about 5 minutes without getting merged will have a merge conflict yeah. in the change log because it's yeah. it's every new change gets added to the top of that file no matter what and even, it, like just the the act of having it broken into different subsets subsets yeah. like helps so much with that and also makes it much easier to read because generally yeah i do care about the new features that were added mm-hmm. before i care about bug fixes I do have a, a a thought for you, though. I think I may have brought this up with you on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the recommended headings is deprecations. Yes. But I deprecations think... are by definition because you are changing something or removing something. Yes. And so it feels very strange to – especially if you're doing a lot of deprecations because you're cha- doing a major change to your API. It, it feels weird to just dump all of that in this one bucket and you kind of lose the bucketing. But then it also feels weird to have it under the header changed when mm-hmm. – you haven't actually made the change. Yet. You have deprecated it. Right. right. You have deprecated it. You've signaled it. your intent. Yes. And then every time a new major version is released, the change log is removed. Yep. Removed all deprecated items. <laughs> yep.
1: <laughs> well, actually, that, so that seems tedious. And I think part of the tedium of having the headers or repeating things that you had, might have said in a previous release or something like that, that idea is, is basically exactly the same as empty folders in Rails. Like, there's an empty bucket there. That so doesn't really answer your question. But first of all, the empty bucket is a good uh, habit to have because you, you start thinking, huh, do I have anything to deprecate? Do I have anything that actually changed? Do I have anything that I removed? But for the deprecation, the the, the header almost doesn't matter. The fact that there are headers there to remind you to think and gotcha. check uh, Okay. And, yes, the implementation in real life, it's kind of like Semver. Yeah,
0: well, that's what I was going to say, because it depends on if you're following Semver or not. Because, right. like, Rails could benefit from having a separate deprecations header, whereas, like, since Diesel actually follows Semver, <laughs> there is there is never going to be an item in changed that isn't yeah. actually a deprecation. There will right. never be an item in removed that isn't just a deprecation, mm-hmm. unless it, it says removed all deprecated items.
1: Yeah, the patterns that you saw that I saw in, in a lot of repos were the people would put in brackets, they would say deprecated. Mm-hmm. In front of a change or deprecation or uh, security, they put a little tag basically in the line in the change log. They would just surround a big screaming security fix, yeah. it. and th- I saw that <coughs> enough that that works too. You can do that. The-, the problem with that is that it's last thought. You group things under these are changes, not what kind of changes. Doesn't matter. And as you said, a lot of people who glance through the change log, look for features mostly, mm-hmm. and if they had a bug that they were affected by they look for the, the bug fixes and like oh is that the bug fix so the bucket's almost all, also they help you write your releases yeah so mm-hmm. for rails like it's tedious to summarize all of the things that changed and were notable changes or additions or fixes that you might have run into and you're like oh this version came out i bet they fixed my oh yes they fixed that thing cuz it's right there in the in the fixes or in the the changed section mm-hmm. i think the the headers yeah they're just like Semvert. the guidelines will will break down When confronted with reality, if you don't follow Semver, or if you do but like in a different way, right? I think it's cool. It's fine that you know you can adapt it as long as you think not individual sets of changes that are not categorized, because often you see the same words in entries. You see an entry in the change log that says "changed X, updated you know Z," and then just it's the same thing. You're saying the same thing over and again. Just group these things, right? And And if you find a different heading that makes more sense to your project, because you have say deprecations are normal changes. You could
0: even state it and say like... Yeah, we, we have, we have at, the, yeah. at the very top it, A, linking to your lovely website, saying Thank this you. is the format that we follow, and then I, li- and I say this project follows um, Semver as defined in link to Rust RFC. That defines exactly nice. what Semver means for Rust libraries and what is... Because Rust, um, like, we basically made the observation that there are a lot of things that are technically breaking changes, but mm-hmm. if we make those require Semver major mm-hmm. updates... It basically makes Semver meaningless because everything has to be a a major update. And so there are a bunch of changes that you are allowed to make. So, for example, if if Rust were to follow Semver as explicitly to the letter uh, as possible... Mm adding a public function is a major breaking, <laughs> is a breaking change because oh you could import things, right? And so you could do use diesel colon colon star, use all of the public items in diesel, and then they could use other library colon colon star. And right. if the new function that I added happened to have the same name as a function there, now you've imported two functions with the same name, your code stops compiling. So yeah. we've, basically anywhere where it's like the thing that could be breaking is a, a naming collision, and mm-hmm. there is a forwards, compa- an easy forwards compatible way to, if you could have written your code. It's a gentle breaking change. Yeah, minor <laughs> breaking change is what yeah. we call it. Anyway, but so yeah, at the top we link, this is the, this is, we, we follow this exact definition of Semver, mm-hmm. and I, I hope more Rust libraries do that.
1: You gave me a, a thought, I don't know if Derek, you wanted to bounce off of that, but no, God. You gave me a thought that I didn't intend for Keep a Change to support Semver. It was more like, well, Semver's there, a lot of people use it, some people hate it. Many, the people who hate it hate it a lot Yeah, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> shout out to David <laughs> if you do hate it you'll hate it less if there's a changelog that's really well maintained yeah because if someone's following Semver in a weird way or in a way that's super orth- orthodox um, yeah or how do you say that? Orthogonal? Right? Or orthogonal? No, no, authority. Like, or orthodoxy, like following ah. the rules dogmatically. without like. No, it's just we're going to do exactly what, what Olivier said that one time, even though he changed his mind like 15 times since then. Uh, <laughs> even though it's not really my opinion. It's more like <laughs> other people kind of agreed, oh, this sort of makes sense, but you found that one use case. I feel like if it's explained in a changelog by example, like you see five releases and every release has a deprecation section. And you see why, because you see the items that are deprecated, you're like, Oh, that makes sense. I know what I what to expect from this library and not just like Semver, which right. is did you interpret it the way that I think you yeah. did? I've right. never
2: I've never really paid much attention to what the like I know like, fixes should be one, and changes should be another one, and mm-hmm. deprecations maybe should be one. But like, if I decide I want a new header in my changelog, yeah. I'm just going to
0: put a new header in my I mean, changelog. I've, I've, <laughs> I've, I've got a new header in, in the most recent release of Diesel. I've got a jokes header. Okay, <laughs> oh, there you go. Because Diesel is now powered by the blockchain, because it's 2018, and that's how this works, apparently. I'm so sorry, Tess. I am so sorry. No, so somebody actually, I don't even remember w- where this came about, but there was some news, and it made me think, you know, I wonder if I put blockchain in, in the keywords <laughs> of, your, your of Diesel's if, if like it'll start, if if suddenly, Trending. yeah, if suddenly we'll start getting all sort of more downloads. Somebody's like, do it, and so then I went and committed it to the to the cargo tunnel, and every every commit gets a change log entry. So people actually not open pull requests bit.
1: like every every month or every week. I, I get a new pull request of someone being like, can I can I change the name of the header or? And I'm not trying to make fun of them. Like they they're so used to completely inflexible rules. That they don't think, no, this is just a tool to get you to think in a sustainable way. Like you're building software. It might not be for 15 years. It might be for a few months, but even then I just build it and think. Someone was in a talk yesterday was like, Oh, yes, it was Mark saying, like, I knew that I wasn't supposed to be a hero and play hero and just try to do too many things at once. I knew I had seen it in many companies I worked at, but I still, when I made my own company, I still did it because just, you know, it's different. So you're like trying to follow those rules sometimes you just like you're trying to to match somebody else's expectations if it doesn't match as yours your project or if it doesn't make any sense you can remove some things that are never filled like some headers that never have any entries
0: i mean i think that i think maybe part of the reason for that is that a lot of the website reads like a specification does it Parts of it do, and I think okay. people are expecting it to be a specification. Uh, damn it, I failed.
1: <laughs> I, I tried. So the, the redesign was kind of like this: like it's brochure. It's kind of like uh, almost like it looks like a marketing website for a startup. Almost, yeah. It's got a little nice, little separated sections. The I guess the only really prescriptive thing is is the headings. It's more like, well, here's a set of headings yeah. as a, t- as an example. I think we're trying in the in the minor version <laughs> upgrade. Uh, try to change log a thing that's for change logs. It's it's impossible. Like I don't know <laughs> when I add a translation. Is it a should I make a minor upgrade? Because we added a tra- like Korean yeah, translation. Uh, like, it, it should like,
0: be a mi- it should be a minor version. That's a new feature. Oh, God, it's so much work. You know, patch, patch versions are only for bug fixes.
1: Yeah, you're right. It's a new feature. Okay. Well, I should do that. But then the way that I interpreted Semver for that, even though I'm not, I, I don't know if we say we follow Semver, but it was to say, well, the version of the recommendation hasn't changed. Like there's no new recommendation. It's just. It's a different template. It's a Korean template. It's the same words, right? just available, I guess, in a way it's a feature. Yeah. So in the new version, I think I want to make it more suggest that, you know, you can adapt this. This is yeah. not a Bible. This
0: is not Ten Commandments. It's right. just... Yeah, maybe something like, we recommend that you group your entries into headers. Here are some suggestions. Exactly. But, you, right. uh, but these do not need to be the exact headers in your... Precisely. Um, I did- I, was there ever a point where the website claimed that this was a machine-readable format? Uh, people really, really want that.
1: They really really want to take a thing that is precisely made for humans <laughs> and make it machine readable. And I've never really cracked down and just like shut down all the pull requests of people saying like, Oh, I made a tool. It's I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome people make tools that they try to parse it. I know it's a pain to parse it. I know that people at gymnasium try to parse change logs and it's useful for tools that try to show you just a portion like a diff between v- versions and how many breaking changes happen, or, for instance. I think we can figure it out with uh, enough regex and coffee. But I don't, I don't care. It's, it, <laughs> this is for humans. So first, for humans, if machines can bend around the, you know, the necessity to be human-friendly because we use sections that are... That's one of the reasons why the sections are organized. Oh, not the sections. The, the, the release title. So it's yeah. like version first, then date. So mm-hmm. date dash version, uh, yeah. So it's basically version, version dash, dash date, date. Yep, and yep. it's an ISO. It's like a database format date, or it could be a human readable date, whichever you think is more understandable. Because Americans like, and a lot of some people like Brits and Americans put like the month first, and that's super confusing for a lot of people. Because like June first, or even if you flip it in the um, kind of like database style where you put, I hate this like month slash or month dash day. I feel like I don't have stats, but I feel like no one, it's kind of like football, American football. No one else plays this game. <laughs> like No one else calls this that, and you are like you assume that everybody does because there's so much software yeah. coming out of the U.S. So anyway.
2: Touching a little bit on the machine readability is, like, the last time we talked about this on the show, I mentioned, I was like, hey, I wish that there was a way for gems to say, like, and here's where you find my changelog on RubyGems. gems, there And then, like, a week later, oh, yeah. you tweeted that you were like, hey, here's a new field that we have in gems. I was like, holy crap. You have so much power. <laughs> <laughs> and But then I, I responded by saying, like, the next step is for cool. Bundler to say, like, here's all your gems. that Like, it already tells you when it updates a gem, right? I just want it to, like, put those at the bottom and say, like, this is what changed. And then, like, here's a link to the change logs for all the things if you want to see. And I don't, ca- I don't need it to be machine readable. I'm happy to click them yeah. and read them with my eyes and interpret what they mean. So you, you're you either a divinity of some kind, or you just know what I'm thinking, like something.
1: So I had a moment like that last month or two months ago where I tried to upgrade something on Bundler. It failed. Didn't tell me why. It just didn't update. And I was like, okay, well, the usual dance, you go to your gem file lock, and you look through, and you're like, what requires this thing that I try to upgrade, and what is the lock what is the version specification that's the the lowest common one, the, the mm-hmm. one that's preventing my bundle update. And I was like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Why am I grepping a file? I'm a human <laughs> being, damn it. <laughs> so I, I just w- went through, I think I looked through RubyGems and I looked through GitHub to see, like, there's got to be a feature in Bundler I just don't know because there's just so many cool features in Bundler I don't know. No, there's not a feature in Bundler. It's Bundler out- outdated. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. But there's nothing that can so... I think I yelled about it on Twitter, which is the way I get stuff done. And then Joe Masty said, hey, I have this thing called Bundler Stats that shows you, um, I think, how many things depend on a specific gem or really interesting little stats about your gem file that works just like gem install that thing. Gem install Bundler Stats, Bundler-stats. Dash And you can do bundle stats. And it gives you those statistics, but it didn't have that one specific thing. But he already was using the RubyGems or the Bundler API internally in a way that was close to what I wanted. So mm-hmm. all I had to do was just kind of like steal his code, rewrite it, make a pull request. And now you can install Bundler stats, tell it what gem is blocking like for which you, you want to upgrade and see okay. what the lowest diff. Is. So it's close to what you want because what you want is basically a feature kind of like that that can tell you, what has changed in this gem since I last used it or just to any any version
2: in, mm-hmm. in rubygems.org or just in, in the tool itself? I would want Bundler to just say like, hey you were running Rails 5.1 now you're running Rails point. Rails is probably a bad example because it's like 500 gems mm-hmm. right. uh, you were running devise yes. whatever and now you're running devise whatever plus one mm-hmm. click here for your changelog if you'd right. like it have in that the for gem- every
0: single gem that had its version changed with a yeah. non-blank changelog field yeah. Yes,
2: and at the bottom of the output, So that's right. what I see. We, so it's what, we could do this. I mean, we could, yeah, the, you could do it. I, <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> so
1: I know. So I You could complain you, about it thank on you Twitter, for, yeah, thank and you then for somebody else could do <laughs> it. What's good is that it, now it's me saying it on, on on your show, and now other people are going to be like, "Oh wow, I, I could, it is a good I,
2: feature of the podcast." I've had that happen a few times. Where I'm amazing. like, somebody should do X. Yeah, you're drunk with power. Happens. I want in real six I mean, and, like, and
0: if, <laughs> if this makes it a oh, i mean literally I, we were just talking with eileen i'm like i'm mad at you because you gave a keynote and now i have some things i want to do yes that's it she has that
1: power like inspiration power but uh, we'll i guess we'll put a link to in the show notes if if
2: this happens to get implemented before this goes out <laughs> into the pull request no i can't i'm shutting down a website i don't have time for this <laughs> uh, i can't do this so you said wait, wait wait you said you're shutting down a website uh-huh should we transition or oh you no,
1: before we get get onto that, there's one more thing I think that I want to touch on. You <laughs> can put change logs in your gem specs, in your gems, people who have gems. Yeah. You can link to the GitHub place where your changelog.md file is. If you're Caleb Thompson, you could uh, link to your news.md file. If you're anybody at <laughs> th- anybody at ThoughtBot. Exactly. Yeah. If you Sorry. Thoughtbot, were ThoughtBot. Very uh,
2: pedantic about these things.
1: <laughs> the news kids on the block. You you could do that, but what's cool is it so first of all gem specs and Ruby gems is super nice now because every time you push a different gem spec it's a different thing so this is super confusing you can have a different change log for every every time you push so you, you can change something in your gem spec and it will just for that version can link to a different file which means that if you crop your changelog or your readme you change your readme in different like major versions for instance you can have one version using one readme and or change log in one version using another mm. but we're not using we're just putting a link on rubygems.org so there's a link to change log if you do add that little key in your gem spec i think it's like metadata changelog uri mm. or something like that but we could exploit it right we could just now that it's available for the the gems that have it Either Ruby Gems or it's more of a Ruby Gems feature. Almost, mm-hmm. I feel like probably. Yeah. yeah, we could totally do that. That'd Be really, really cool. I think it would make Ruby Gems way more useful of a website because usually you just go to Ruby Gems, find the source, and look for stuff there because you don't people don't maintain that over there. So yep. anyway.
0: I need to add this to Cargo and Crate.io. Ha ha! That's basically what
1: I do. Is like I say things and then he adds it to Rust <laughs> magic, and then all the advantages we had disappear. And he's like, "No, Rust is just don't use that. Just use Rust."
2: So you're sunsetting a no. website?
1: <laughs> we shooting him. But you
2: made a, that was that might have been the most like I was just like yeah why? <sighs> sunset. So in your talk, you, you talked about how you don't like the term sunset because when a sun sets, it also then it rises. comes back
1: the next day. <laughs> like that's unless something really really bad happened, which it's not just your company shutting down or something like that. So it's not a company shutting down. We we were acquired by Pluralsight, and for years and years. Like three years—that's not that many years. We just did the same thing that we had been doing, and now we're like combining everything. Basically, we're going to have interactive courses—the same kind of like Code School interactive. You watch a video, you practice. You watch a video, you practice in a browser, and uh, interactive projects and all the stuff that people loved from Code School. We're not gonna transfer all of the things that were there so there's some free the, the one concern we have right now is like figuring out all the free stuff that we had so like try Ruby kind of kind of a hairball try git kind of complicated too like those are like kind of useful resources for a lot of the boot camps and schools even mm-hmm. so like I know that there's an alternative an open source alternative to try Ruby that was made by a developer and it might be available on the uh, the Ruby website soon because there's a pull request to add it. Mm-hmm. And it's basically just like someone made a better try Ruby that's open source. So that's cool. For Rails for Zombies, the problem is all of that content, many of these courses were really old. Mm-hmm. And so like we couldn't really just like transfer them and like build them in the new interface or in the, in the new infrastructure at Pluralsight. So we we thought, okay, what are the ones that make sense? And we just picked the, like, the most popular ones. I don't know the full finished list of courses that are going to be there, but there's probably going to be not that much Ruby stuff. Because sadly most of that stuff was fairly old so if you like to learn ruby stuff probably or rust stuff i don't know uh maybe you could become a site author and actually make a course like that or make a a
2: newer version for Rails 6 or something like that that'd be really cool we always had that problem so at thoughtbot we operate upcase which yeah. is like a subscription learning platform where we do courses and we always had that problem with like we put a lot of effort into like video content uh-huh. and that goes along with these lessons. Yep. And you can't just easily splice in an updated <sighs> here's an updated Rails version when the person's on screen talking about things. Well, we had blue um, screen,
1: so we're, like we used blue screen at-, at Code School. Sometimes we cheated. We just took the key the keyed person and then replaced the slides behind them when they were <laughs> showing like super deprecated Rails stuff. For like I think we had Greg on Rails for Zombies. Like we redid it three times. One time was like Sleeper. Just because, like, some methods we were using were completely wrong and breaking everything, but it was super hard. Yeah.
0: yeah. So it's hard, to, it's hard to keep that updated. I'm glad to see that my backbone workshop has finally been removed from Upcase. <laughs> <laughs> or at least it, do, it doesn't show up on the page you can see when you're not logged in. Yeah, it's, just, it's been a
2: hard thing to, like, because in the right hand, that content, even if it was written for Rails 3.2, is still good. Yeah, and, you're right. But when you're in a position where you're like, I want to know how to write a Rails app, it doesn't help. Especially beginners.
1: Especially um, beginners are people who are just discovering Rails. And right, it doesn't get it it, Well, and
0: the problem is, though, right, it might not even be that it's still good content. It might actually still be 100% accurate, depending on what specifically it hits. I mean, like, 3.2, almost certainly not, because everything has changed since then. Right. But I would expect that any any content written for Rails 5 unless it dealt with encrypted secrets is probably right. going to continue to be correct for quite a while.
2: Even broader like we have a test driven development course and like the idea of that is not to teach you a specific thing, it's to teach you a way of thinking. But still, people are like, "This is outdated." So are like, you well, saying? Are you saying we should put Semver on educational content? <laughs> no. So, I'm just saying that once you start recording things in video, it becomes a lot harder to like a blog post. You just go back and you update yes. it and you edit it. But a video is a lot more expensive to oh. keep up to date.
1: We also have infrastructure that we have this uh, this really <laughs> awesome infrastructure that does eval as a service. <laughs> uh, remote execution as a service. Uh, so we take, because we do interactive stuff, it's like in the browser, yep. it almost boggles my mind like how there's like, we break down the abstract, abstract syntax of some, some code to, just to find out if you're using not just the, the specific syntax, but something else. But those those change all the time too. And it's really hard when you're evaluating code like that to evaluate the new version when you've never seen it. So the content will be correct, right? We'll teach you the right API, but maybe you'll try to use a new keyword argument or something mm-hmm. like that and we just can't handle it so you'll have the right content and then you try to go practice it in the browser and it's like not working like we get support emails from people going, like this is stupid i tried <laughs> this new feature and then you know it seems compatible with rails xyz and it's not working in your in your thing so it's really hard also right not, not just video
2: they don't understand that you're trying to safely execute the code <laughs> that like actual code that they are writing in a browser and you need to do things that are like perhaps going to break when new versions of libraries ship. Yep. And, <laughs>
1: and even if we we consider it like the plague, like everything we do, it's like we basically put a container in space and send your code there, so if it <laughs> blows up, like yep. it'll just make a little gravitational wave or something like that <laughs> when it blows up everything. But even then, it's just like it's not working for you. That's the the thing that sucks. It's, it That's what's tricky. So there's a lot of stuff that's going to... I think sadly for me, you were talking about your, uh, your uh, Angular stuff, like deprecated old Angular stuff. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. like embarrassing old content that you made that is forever. I thought some of the videos would disappear of me wearing the worst haircuts and clothing and everything. So, like, testing with RSpec was the second, I think it's the second or first course that I did. And then there's a Git, yeah, there, there's, oh, talk about puns. You ready? Git Real. that was like my favorite titles that we came up with those were like really good content too but like really old versions of git and really horrible just dress choices (laughs) that I made And they're saving the videos because obviously that's useful for some people. So I can't even get the satisfaction of not seeing my terrible, you know, 25-year-old decisions. Some of those, I think the videos, many of them are going to try to archive on the Pluralsight website as a video course, just like they do, basically, Mm -hmm. just like non-interactive video courses. So if like you needed that, I think anybody, I don't know what the details are going to be, but I think people who had a subscription or an account at School. There will be a way to access that somehow. So it'll be sad, but also if you needed it as a teacher, which is the thing that makes me the saddest. If you need it as a teacher, like there's tons of boot camps that just
2: used I didn't that just use Code School as like the after school kind of like practice mm-hmm. thing. So yeah, there's hope there. So how does the shutdown process been for you? It was (laughs) emotional. Yes.
1: So like basically now it's the phase where uh, I'm okay with it, Mm -hmm. but there's a long phase where, you know, your team, you've built this thing from so many years. That is part of the talk. Like I think the video will come out. So you'll see me like just uh, pour my soul out. But it was hard not to have a decision for a long time. Like you you know that there's got to be something that either we power through it and we keep doing this this thing like many acquired companies do, Mm -hmm. or you just decide to stop. But for a long time, we didn't really make a decision. We we're like, we're gonna tr- keep trying for a while and and see if it works. And it, it worked ish. It worked okay, but it just didn't really make sense in the long term. So eventually, I think last year was when we made the decision. And so at that point, it was kind of like, ah, oh, that was hard. Like when we made the decision, I couldn't tell anybody or like the people who were like relying on the educational content that we were still building. Or, like, we want to tell them, like, hey, uh, download it or do something. Like, (laughs) we were always thinking of replacing it or doing something like that. But it's going to take time. So we couldn't really, like, announce it really without having a replacement solution in place. It was really hard. It was hard on the team. Lots of people. I mean, I'm sure that happens in lots of companies like that. But I never thought I'd have a job where I project myself, like, half decades and decades into it. So, like, early code school days, you know, could do this for a long time. So it's kind of weird to see the thing that you worked so hard on. You train yourself not to be attached to your code, but like you look at it and you're like, oh, yeah, we built a bunch of really cool stuff in mm-hmm. there and selfishly I want to just open source it all so like someone gonna, can learn ask, from have it. You, have you
0: ever have you ever considered like maybe putting some of it on archive.org? So the code you mean? <laughs> with the just the website stuff. I mean, like if if it's Videos? not easy to just put the the resources
1: that you want and preserve directly, that wouldn't be moving over. Sadly, they'll be less useful because of the interactive nature of
0: it, because it's like right. it's executing but, stuff. But but or... you've still got something there. But then also, yeah, yeah I mean, have, is that a, a thing anybody's ever considered? This code that's just gonna go away anyway. Yeah. Putting it up on on archive.org because you can just upload the source code. Oh really? Yeah, I, I mean didn't know you that. can put more or less whatever you want up there. Huh.
1: I didn't know that. But what I wanted to do is like internal tools that we have, any kind of techniques that were cool that we used. The problem is it's not like we're just getting rid of it. So like right. Pluralsight's not going to be like, well, <laughs> yeah, just this give IP all that IP we free. bought and, and <laughs> we, re- we refactored into this other thing. They might. I don't know they might. It's, it's always funny with lawyers because like when it has no value to them, maybe they'll be like – I don't know if lawyers no, the, lawyer, the at,
0: lawyers will be, no, this is RIP. Yeah, we, we, we might probably. want to use this incredibly outdated content later.
1: Which, which is why I think we, we have a bunch of tools that are open source, like like examples that actually were used for Keep a Change Log's early <coughs> experimentation, like orientation is an internal documentation tool. It's kind of like a connected wiki. The idea is you connect to people who need the knowledge, to the knowledge, so that when it changes, you know that it changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of like the same kind of ideas, Keep a Change Log. There's a, a bunch of actually team... Cohesion tools, that's just the worst word I could have used for that. Uh, there's a thing called compliments that Katie Delphin built as a, as no, a, it's just not. a little thing that you could, it has a Slack integration. You can send a little public compliment to someone on your team or on your open source project and they receive it, it's stored. So I've talked to, I think, Avdi about it too. Like we all, even the, the people that you think are the most, uh, accomplished people we all have like a super soft spot for like people saying really nice things about us when we're feeling <laughs> shitty uh, so that basically makes it public which is weird and can have some weird side effects but like these little things were things that we did at code school like to like make make each other feel better or like stick a minute to like tell each other hey you're awesome for these reasons and just, yeah. that's an example it's more like the culture
2: we have started doing that at thoughtbot with um we use 15.5 for yeah. getting like weekly feedback. And mm-hmm. one of the things 15.5 does is at the end of your weekly feedback, the idea of 15.5 being like you spend five minutes filling out this form and your manager spends 15 minutes reviewing them or something huh. and giving you feedback or whatever. That's but fun. at the bottom of every one of those is like, hey, you can give a high five to yes. teammates. Yes. And so like those get recorded and then there's like a stream of them. But we've been trying to figure out like what to do. To, like one bit of feedback that we receive is like, hey, we need to celebrate wins more. Yeah. Yeah. than we do and so like your idea of like hey what if we just had a screen in the kitchen yes, that just we displayed had, yeah.
1: these it just, it just flashed through that,
0: that wasn't my idea it was katie delphin's idea and she was, right. like I'm love her sorry. for that katie's idea yeah <laughs> we have a we have a thing internally at shopify on a page we have called vault which is like just all of our internal stuff a section of it's called unicorns and so just anytime anybody does something that you think is worth praise we have a bunch of categories of like what specifically did they do? That was that was above and beyond. But you can put as many people on you uh, on it as you want. It pipes into a couple of channels, nice. and then people come in and upvote them. Um, huh. And then there uh, are achievements for uh, um, <laughs> like achievement being unlocked. on a unicorn with three other people, or like being, oh, on, a that got being uploaded, on a unicorn uh, yeah, okay. group number of times. It's sort of, it's actually, it's the sort of thing like, I could totally see this getting used, uh, if, if we were to, like, extract that part of it and, and just make it, like, a, a free service somewhere. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a, it's a neat idea. So it's yeah. not
1: the IP. See, it's, it's not the code. It's, it's, that's the, the whole point of the talk was, like, it's the people. Yep. And so the people had these ideas. The ideas are good. They're free. You can use them. You're probably going to build them your way, like Shopify did. And in some ways, like one of the things I want to do is talk about some of the techniques that we use to do the you know, the course management stuff or the achievements or, or, or authorization stuff. and a lot of me is terrified that I'm just gonna talk about it and people are gonna be, this is stupid can can is way better than this or can 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 is way better than this. Why, why didn't you just use that or rather than this thing that you did? and I that's vulnerability, I guess I should probably just lean into it but <laughs> we have so the speaking of Katie Delphin, she made a thing. For uh, we had a lot of badges and stuff like, you know, uh, celebrating your wins uh, when you were learning. And eventually we decided, hey, we need participatory stuff like you've practiced a lot every day where you did a street con like Duolingo did. We had a Star Wars Day thing where you just showed up on Code School on Star Wars Day. Well, yeah, look at you busy working while everybody's at the theater, like something like that. <laughs> and she made this thing called Badger. First, of, I don't can remember who made the name. If it was a collaboration effort, I think it was a team effort, but it's an amazingly well defined API where you basically set criteria. It's all Ruby, all beautiful. And you have basically have criteria based on usage presence. Uh, it hooks into a device to see when you signed in and stuff like that. And you you make a file that basically is a criteria. And when they match that criteria, we queue a job, we send them a thing, we're like, oh, good job. And they get a badge. And it's
0: amazing. And I, w- I think that might mm. be a thing I could sneak out of there. Maybe I need badges at work. We have to bleep you every time you say device, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, he maintains clearance. Oh, so. no, that's fine. Just use device. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: actually looking for alternatives because, like, uh, do you have a GDPR compliance
2: um, section? We don't log I mean, IPs. We don't log IP addresses. We don't have there that you. feature. You, and, are,
1: you could sit that's literally the the only cell you can do is, like, either force the device to update itself to, like, for trackable to be, like, GDPR compliant, like a little switch. Or you say, much well, use clearance. Yeah, GDPR compliant.
2: We just oh, I know, I know, I know. We do have
1: passwords, though. Is that a problem? No, no, no. That's fine. You <laughs> could just... Uh, I have another project that I don't maintain anymore called <laughs> Shields.io that makes little uh, metadata badges. Hmm. It's an open API. So you can literally go to img.shields.io slash gdpr compliant Mm dot png i think there's a color also you can add there okay there you go get a little gdpr compliant back i'm gonna
2: start putting that on all my projects amazing yeah (laughs) Uh, and
0: it could be true or false yeah whatever (laughs) i have some strong opinions about shields.io as a person responsible for operations of one of the of one of the repositories that it hits a lot oh what is that uh creates.io Oh man. Well I don't maintain it anymore, so uh, <laughs> oh, no, I, know, I know. I just I, I remember I was looking through because I got paged actually because they were hitting us so much that it actually started causing um oh, sh- uh error rate spike to page oh. me at like two in the morning. Why
2: would it be hitting you? It's a direct
1: interface between a lot of the package manager systems. So it basically you can put a badge it'll do the job. It'll go check if the okay. version has been updated to show the version, for instance. And they have no
0: caching. Uh,
1: okay. They do. They do have caching it as far as It doesn't seem to
0: work. Well, they might have had a problem that day or something or, like that. I mean, it's not going to cache in general, a looking at having been watching the traffic, and I've been keeping a very specifically close eye on the rate of traffic that we get from them because it seems much higher than it ought to be, and it does not seem to, like, hey, hey, not, Sean, seem to work.
1: Hey, Sean, it's open source. You should open a pull request. <laughs> I ba- know. It's
0: badges slash shields on GitHub. Oh, I know. <laughs> no, so, so, the fa- so they were hitting this, this page that 404 and, it, and it, they hit it so many times oh, it, yeah. it caused our 4xx uh, response percentage to spike to the point where I got woken up at three in the morning uh, and I went and looked and it was just it was this API endpoint it was returning a 404 and they hit it 13,000 times in, uh, the, in like, like 5 mistake. minutes
1: yeah it sounds like a mistake well, that's it's open source patches, no, but that's as well
0: i went and opened an issue i'm just like hey uh, i oh. saw this thing and they have and, and they have absolutely no idea why or where it would oh. come from
1: what's node so i'm not responsible
0: yeah <laughs> uh, at least i'm pretty sure it was them i wasn't logging accept headers at that time or oh. um, i'm not i'll oh. uh, use headers at that thickens. time but it was it was a uh, ip address that is almost always associated with them it was the russians
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: there's a Russian in the room, this is why this is funny. I'm not just mean. (laughs) (laughs) He's nice Uh, and smiley. (laughs) What else should we be asking you about? What are you excited about? I mean, what am I excited about? I'm excited about, uh, yeah, focusing on new stuff a little bit. Mm -hmm. Because, like, holding on to old stuff for a while, like, uh, what is it, loss aversion. I've been doing a lot of loss aversion. But, for instance, like, letting go of a project that you think is a super awesome idea, like shields and just letting other people run with it, Mm -hmm. is super liberating. The problem is that people like Sean just give you shit for it for every time something goes bad're you're like you 're sort of still responsible because i 'm like, well, my idea was cool that i, don't, I mean- don't blame
0: you for the record I, the, the only reason I brought it up was just I remembered when I went to go open the issue, I saw your face Uh-oh. at the bottom of the readme, and I just grinned a little bit, and I knew that you I knew that you weren 't personally responsible for it anymore but I just that. that it, may, it made it's me actually chuckle why on the inside. He was
2: like, we have to have Olivier on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: going to quarter him. Show him. No, I, I'm excited. What am I excited about? I think I'm post-talk. Like, so I'm, I'm, I'm just a flight. Oh, I'm excited not to have a talk to give. And having, oh, yeah, I know I have another conference. So, I'm, oh, yes, here's what I'm excited about. Uh, errors. Uh, mm-hmm, so, the mm-hmm. talk I gave at RubyConf 2017 yep. was Human Errors. And I don't know if it's plural. Like, I made the talk. I can't remember if it's errors or error. Anyway, it was about making errors more human in Ruby. I think that it would be awesome to do that more. Keyword errors or argument errors in Ruby are still not super cool. Lots of errors in Ruby are, like, low-hanging fruits that we can fix. And in Rails also. So I think David talked about the barriers to entry in his keynote on uh, Tuesday. And I think that that's really important because it's... Yeah, there's lots of nice little community things we do to make it easy to onboard. But when there's an error, is usually when people freak out and go, "Oh, this is way too hard or way too much." I know that just reading errors because they look so scary. Even if you flip the stack, the stack trace, they look scary. Like it doesn't really help there. (laughs) Whereas, like that's part of the talk is like if you look at Elm errors, they look like just someone texting you, like,
2: "Hey, man." Uh, I know things are not great right, right now, but here's some help. And it, oh, the, you're probably getting this error because you forgot to pass one more argument, and it should have this type. And, and you probably like, oh, did. You're yeah, like, yeah that's exact- exactly it. Yeah, oh, that's
1: <laughs> hard, but like we can at <laughs> least bridge the gap between like Meh, huge stack trace, and then and then also the freezing a lot of a lot of those errors. Being an English major originally, it makes me sad that we are just saying things in the most mechanical just. Matter of fact, way we could just like phrase it in a way that's less confused. That's one. I thing mean, I think d-
0: that there's a very specific reason that the phrasing is, is off on a lot well, of these. Well,
1: yeah, not just language based. I think it's also programmers just thinking that the delivery doesn't matter. Sure. That as long as you get the information, or just wrong. Ne-
2: ne- wanting to not break a string across multiple lines.
1: Yes, <laughs> but we have these ma- these amazing here docs now yeah. in uh, in Ruby two three plus two five two four yeah. plus like the squiggly here doc. That's amazing. Just I do. Way easier.
2: I did want to thank you for your, you made a change in Rails 5.2 for oh, thank you. the logging of yes. queries from views because I've spent time where like, especially on large apps where it's like, oh, whoa, there's a lot of queries happening yep. here. And so like, I'm like, where are these all coming from? And my approach is generally like, I open up the template and I uh-huh. start commenting things out and I'm like, yep. do they still make that query? Yep. Nope. Okay. So it's coming from this template. Same and then thing. like, I just go. And so now just the ability to just be like. Either turn, I don't know if it's on by default or whatever, but like
0: just it was looking going at, to be, and then we, no, 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 it got no, it turned is. off by default. No, no it is. Oh, it it's is?
2: on by default in development. Okay. Ah, so it's perfect.
0: on
1: by default in development, not in the console, because that was kind of annoying when you saw we had debugging on zero level, like mm-hmm. uh, at debug. You would see the SQL query, the Active Record SQL query, and you would see the the, the caller. So it's basically showing the call site if it works correctly. If it doesn't, please fix it or help me. <laughs> uh, but it should show you the call site from that initiated that query. So if you have a user.find something, you should see where that's called, which is super useful. Especially, that's a pro tip. Uh, I don't know what you what shell you use, but if you use iterm, you can option click any call site. And it'll take you, if you have configured your editor in your shell properly, you can now, anytime you see an N plus one, you see the call site that originated one mm-hmm. of those queries or the N plus one queries, and just go option click the log. And you're in the file, and you're like, you If you're using little, a GUI editor. Yes. Or you could just no. Vim whatever Emacs, oh, maybe. you know, hook stuff up. Sure. So yeah, I would you do that.
2: Can, yeah. You Vim people it. were used to shelling things <laughs> yeah. and stuff. You can do it. Cool. I think Thank we should you. wrap up because we're running out of time here. But thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. It was it's fun great. having you. Thank you. Show notes for this episode can be found at bike... Uh, no. I don't know the number, so. You can just say, man, bikeshed.fm. I know. But I said, yeah, okay. You can say everything else the same. You just don't put a slide. uh,
1: Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Show notes for this episode can be found
0: at Backshed. (laughs) (laughs) Backshed? Backshed. We'll put them there, too. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Olivier, thank you so much for coming on the Backshed. (laughs) (laughs) Show
2: notes for this episode can be found at
0: bikeshed.fm. As always, ratings and reviews on iTunes are much appreciated. If you
2: have feedback about any of our episodes, you can tweet us at underscore bike shed, email us at host at bike shed.fm
0: or leave a comment on the website. Thanks for the back Backshed and we'll see you next time. <laughs> and keep a change log. Thanks for joining us, Olivia. <laughs> Thank you. That was fun. <laughs> this podcast was brought to you by ThoughtBot. We are experienced designers and developers who turn your idea into the right product. With local studios in Boston, San Francisco, New York, London, Austin, and Raleigh, let's build something great together.